Blog Talk Radio. Tennessee, Terry T.B. Brown up in Louisville, Kentucky. What is going on, man? These allergies are killing me, but other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Wow. It, I understand. It is that time of year for sure. The pollen on the cars is something else. Uh, you know, and, and just it's all going up in our lungs, and we are breathing it in and sneezing and carrying on. We've had them, I think you had them a couple of weeks ago for, on the show. But in the last week, I started sounding real stuffy and nasally and, and sounding weird, um, for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's that time of year. Hopefully we can we can press on and, and get through it. Um, everything's good on this end. Did have a little bit of a, a scare yesterday, if we want to say that. Uh, it didn't make national news. Sadly, these things are becoming less and less shocking, but my wife works in retail over in Sevierville at the Tanger Outlets, and there was a random shooter over there, like a store or two away from where she works at. A 21-year-old just randomly killed two individuals, a 24-year-old lady from Pennsylvania and and wounded a 75-year-old man from Massachusetts and then turned the gun on himself. Um, I was out with the boys. I was out mowing the lawn and didn't hear the call, and, you know, she was getting texts from other people who had saw it on the news and heard about it. But she was okay, fortunately, but it was just um unnerving situation to, to be associated with. And, of course, you always hear, you know, things hit close to home and things of that nature. And we see this happen more and more, but that was unnerving, but she was okay, and everybody that she worked with was okay. But still tragic, and condolences to the lady, and hopefully the gentleman has a speedy recovery, but it was an unnerving afternoon evening yesterday. Yeah, I saw that, and, and like you said, it's just, it's it's sad that that becomes kind of background noise, and not to start opining on uh, where we are, the state of the world, but definitely want to to send uh, thoughts and prayers and, and everything to the folks affected by that by that horrible tragedy. Yeah, yeah. So just for it to and to be that that close, it was, whew. you know. So definitely glad we're doing all right, but it was a little unnerving as you would expect. But we are here to have another fun show, but had to at least mention that unfortunate bit of news to start things off. But we're going to have fun. 
like we always do. Uh, you and I are here. No guests this evening. We're wide open. Got some coming down the pipe in some coming weeks. But uh, Terry Brown, Vinnie Hardy here. We got lots of U.K. news, even though the major sports aren't playing. The, the baseball and softball and, and golf and track and tennis are, are rolling. Uh, we got some comings and goings on the basketball front. We had the spring game. It's already been here. Uh, have to talk about that. Uh, NBA playoffs are rolling. You and I love that. And down at Augusta National, it felt like it was 1999, 2000, 2001 again. We were able to kind of flash back to early adulthood. You wrote a cool piece about that. So lots of cool stuff to get into. The number, as always, is uh, 845-277-9373 at Cats Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, getting the Facebook Live going as well so y'all can hop on there and, and send comments and get the link to the show where you can hear Terry and myself uh, as we go the rest of the way. But um, the moving and shaking kind of is, is dominating the scene on the Kentucky front right now as it is often the case once we get to this part of the year. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the one thing that, you know, people kind of bemoan with this uh, is the roster turnover. Like we have no idea what the roster will look like at this point. Uh, you know, we don't know almost until, you know, September, no, well, not September, but you know, it's like August, July and August before we have an idea of, just the names on the roster, let alone what the team will look like from year to year. Uh, you know, some people don't like it. And, and again, it's a personal preference. But uh, to paraphrase the the macho man, Randy Savage, you might not like it, but you'll have to learn how to love it because that's just the world we're living <laughs> in right now. Um, I mean, that's just how it is. I, I can be mad all I want about you know, guys leaving and, and this, that, and the other. But this is just the way things are. And, um, you know, you and I have talked long and hard. A lot of people have talked about it, written about it. Uh, I mean, you can disagree with the way John Calipari constructs his roster. Uh, you can you can disagree with that. that that's, that's fine, uh, you know. But we're, we're not going back to the good old days where you have three seniors and two juniors in your starting lineup. Those days are just going. I mean, that's just uh, – even from when you and I were in uh, in school, you know, Ron Mercer was a stud coming out of high school, right? You know, he started uh, – you know, he, he played – you know, started as a freshman with me and, and, and didn't see the floor really until the end of the year. You know, he had his coming out party – 20 points uh, in the 1996 championship game. You know, in this day and age, he's not going anywhere where there's, you know, four upperclassmen and he doesn't have a chance to start. That The, the landscape has shifted. Uh, so it's not the way it was even 20 years ago. So you have to, you have to stop looking back wistfully on this time past and look at kind of where we are. You know, I, I think – Complaining about it's not going to change anything. Um, you know, people, you know, this player's not ready. This player's not ready to go to the league. The shift happened, again, about 20 years ago. It used to be, 
when the NBA draft rolled around, you had to have a resume to be the number one overall pick, right? I mean, I'm thinking Shaq. I'm thinking, you know, Kenyon Martin. You know, if you're going to be a top lottery pick, you had to have some accolades. You had to have a resume. And then about 15 years ago or so, it shifted. It started being all about potential. Mm-hmm. And and seniors that had done really, really well were kind of devalued. And that that shift was brought on with what the NBA was looking for. I, I think back to, you know, Tayshaun Prince, that was all SEC, SEC Player of the Year, whose individual resume was stellar. But he fell, say, I haven't looked at his draft class. I think his career was better than a lot of the guys drafted ahead of him. But that's just the way it is. You know, is Kelvin Johnson ready? Probably not, but he's got potential. And what we have seen is the NBA and NFL especially, they are putting – uh, they've got these rookie wage scales in, in, in effect. And if they can get a guy cheap, a young guy, that's better than signing a veteran for them on the books. So that shift happened, and there's, you, you can't put the horse back in the barn or however that saying goes. It's just, it's just gone. And it, it, it's, just, it's just frustrating for me to, to hear people – Year 10 of John Calipari, and it's the same arguments we heard at year one, right? You know, from uh, the John Wall season, you know, with Wall, Bledsoe, Cousins, Daniel Orton, all leaving. Am I missing somebody? Those guys went in the draft, but Darnell Dodson didn't return. This is just the way it is. And, you know, people, well, we got to get three-year guys. That's hard to gauge. It's, it's hard to gauge who's going to be a three-year guy because this is the thing, and I know I'm rambling a little bit, but here's the thing. When you look at the guys that arrived on campus that weren't surefire one and done, guys that we all assumed were going to be here a couple of years, like we all thought that Tyler Hero was a three-year guy, right? Uh, when he arrived on campus, we thought that Shay Gilgis Alexander was going to be a three-year guy. Eric Bledsoe was going to be a three-year guy. We thought Devin Booker. Devin Booker was kind of that late, you know, late decision to be one and done. We thought he was going to come back for another year. So what happens when you look at these guys that arrive in Lexington as kind of the those late, you know, number ranked number fifty in the class, those kinds of kids that you think you're going to stay. They work themselves into being one and done. But most importantly, of those guys that we mentioned, that I mentioned, look at how their NBA careers have taken off. For all the talk about Cal not developing people, look at Devin Booker. There is nothing – but we, we knew he had a jumper. Okay, he, you know, he'd been wet like Booker for a long time. We knew he had a jumper. We didn't know – I didn't know he had this in him, what we have seen in Phoenix, you know, we can look back. We didn't think Eric Bledsoe was going to do what he's done in the league. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and I know we want to touch on that uh, comeback that the Clippers had against the Warriors. He's making key plays for an NBA playoff team against the Warriors. 
So there's something the NBA executives are seeing for these guys that come through Kentucky. There's something that Cal's doing. You may not see it, guy on the couch. You may not see it, guy at the end of the bar. You may not see it, guy in the upper deck of Rupp Arena. But there's something that Cal is doing that's helping these guys out. So, again, you may not like it, but, you know, it is what it is. It's been successful with it. You know, I've seen people respond to the Kyle Tuckers and the Sean Smith uh, talking about guys leaving, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, their response is, you know, well, the team hasn't been very good. What are you talking about? Like, what? what, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I saw somebody say, well, I look at, uh, you know, you look at Virginia and Texas Tech, they didn't have any one and done. This is the first Final Four in 20 years that didn't have a one and done player. Shut up. Just shut up. This, <laughs> for you statistics people, this is the outlier year. The one year there's no Dukes, no Kentuckys, no Kansas in the Final Four. Oh, well, you know, they've been dominant for the previous 10 years, but this one year is going to prove my point. Shut up. Just, just shut yeah. up. I, 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 I've seen people say, you know, the Cats haven't been competitive the last four seasons since 2015. Again, Elite Eight in 2017, Elite Eight this year, overtime. That's competitive. That's not saying that, man, I'm dreaming of Elite Eight. That's what we hang banners for. No. But there's a difference between championship and a terrible season. There's, there's a lot of gray area to have a really good season. And for some reason, that keeps getting narrowed. And, and I've been all over the place, but, but talking about guys leaving, whether it's by transfer, whether it's by leaving early, this is just the nature of where we are. Uh, John Calipari will not last long if he recruits like he is even Gonzaga or if he recruits like he's at Michigan State, that won't work here. It just it won't work. It, it just – Cal gets the best talent he can get. That has been his mantra since he was back at UMass. Get the best guys you can get. Some guys, not – the best guys you can get, and then you make it work. And that's what he does. And unfortunately – it does lead from a lot, it lead to a lot of roster upheaval from year to year. That's the nature of it. But again, he's been very successful with it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna settle down now. I ran it for 20 minutes. So there you go. <laughs> and it's it's just weird that you that if everybody still can be so polarized, so divided by it. You go on Facebook and you'll see a uh, a post about these guys still seeing the same stuff. These guys don't care. All they worry about is going to the NBA. All they worry about is going to the draft. And these are supposedly Kentucky fans. You go to some, you know, Kentucky fan groups. And then, you know, if I'm selfish, so be it. And you got the other half talking about, well, look, if you had the chance, wouldn't you do the same thing if you were able to, uh, have this income, this earning potential like this in such a short period of time. And the constant back and forth for how everybody's still split over this and how there's still a lot, or maybe it's not a lot, but it's a vocal minority that refuse to get used to this. And it's not even always 
older ones that you can maybe kind of see still, well, it's not like it used to be where you get to know them three or four years. You know, we're a decade in of this now, and it's still so foreign, and there's still some who are so resistant to accepting that that's how it is. Now, like you said, it's, those days are gone, but, you know, you know, you get on social media, which, you know, everybody can do that at their own risk, you still see comments like, this is the first year it's happened, and, oh, my, oh, goodness, what if, and you still get the same old people that are just so frustrated and so exasperated that this happens every April and May. It puts the test the waters, see what the information you get. If you get good feedback, go. If you don't, come back and work on your game. That's it. It's pretty cut and dry. But the the amount of people that are just so stressed out and tore up about it is crazy. And and, and that's the and that's the thing. Uh, at, at some point, and my dad used to tell me, you, it, if if this has been going on, you can't be surprised. You you, you right. just you can't go to uh, different things in life and act surprised. Like I'm going to take the girls to go see the Avengers movie next week. Is it next week? Yeah, next Friday. At this point, if you go to an Avengers movie, a Marvel movie, and you leave when the credits roll, that's on you. Like <laughs> that is, is that's on you. If you it's like you're leaving early, you know what you're going to get. You know, people. We can talk about the Fast and the Furious movies and what they have become over their eight is it eight movies now. I think yeah, the Fate of the Furious. And we can talk about, oh, my goodness, you know, all it is, they're driving cars and they're doing things ridiculous. It is what it is. You know, that's how you end up with 13 Fridays the 13th. At some point, you can't be surprised what you get. It, it, you can like it. You can love it. You can whatever. But some things are just universal. You know, uh, people complain about taxes. Look, it. That's why there's a saying, there's death and taxes. This can't, April 15th can't catch you off guard. You know, I drove by the main post office here on Monday. People waiting to last. It's like it can't catch you off guard at this point. Like you have to suffer a little bit if you're waiting. Out. That, that's just part of it. So these people who for the last 10 years have talked about Cal needs to get more three- and four-year players. Cal needs to um, uh, get more Kentucky kids. Cal needed. At this point, ten years in, it is what it is. And it, again, like it or love it, you have to agree it's been successful. But at some point, you just have to just like, why are we still? Why are we having these debates? I, I just don't understand why we're still having these. You know, the, the the one and done has been the most debated thing in sports, and it's just it's bizarre. It is bizarre. It's like the guy uh, when you go out to a bar that's talking about, man, this that hates the DH when it comes to American League baseball. Like it's been forty years. <laughs> right. I mean, it is. You know, my dad, growing up, he didn't like the three point shot in college basketball. Didn't like it. He said, it makes no sense to reward somebody for being farther away and shooting. He's like, he was against it. But eventually, he's like, well, it's not going away. It's been, you know, 15, 20 years. It's part of the game. Like, it, it just is. So there's no reason 
to 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 be all bent out of shape over something that's been happening. And look, it would it, in a perfect world, Tyler Hero and Kelvin Johnson come back. Jamal Baker does not transfer in a perfect world. But we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a world where kids get homesick, where kids are worried about their playing time. I mean, there's just so many things that go into transfers. I, for one, don't think Cal is running people off. I don't think that's – I just don't believe that uh, notion that's flying out there. But people just have to understand that this is just the nature of how it is. And, and, and if yeah. you want to say the team hasn't been successful with it, well, that's, that's on you to be that misguided. But it's not a perfect world. It just is not. Yeah. So, Sheldon uh, Johnson, Tyler Hero are staying in the draft. Jamal Baker is transferring. Like you said, uh, a lot of people think he wants to be closer to home. He's from California. Um uh, so, wish them all the best. Uh, the consternation is, is still mind-boggling after, you know, seeing these things happen year after year. And the whole, the players don't care, is, it makes no sense. You know, everybody doesn't get to go into locker rooms and privilege to cover games, even as we are on a part-time basis. But there's been video of the locker room now to, you know, disprove that. They weren't just fake crying. Bam, Adebayo, and and De'Aaron Fox, uh, if they didn't care, they would have been nonchalant and just getting dressed after their shower and already talking about the draft after that heartbreaking loss in North Carolina. You, You can't, you know, reasonably and logically say that they don't care. It's one year. It's not four. They come in. Everything is accelerated now, the whole process. And if a person's good enough to go to the draft, that's accelerated too, where guys used to take two or three years to develop. Now it's all done in the period of months from the summer to the spring. It's all compacted and accelerated. Guys that we thought would be three year guys, this is becoming a trend now where we shouldn't be surprised by that. Devin Booker, we should, you know, whoa, this guy's going to be around. He's not the same level, you know, as, as you know, Carl Towns and all these guys. He's going to be here. Well, he developed quickly, uh, and we see he's doing the NBA now. Tyler Hero, well, he, and I'm like you, they could use another year, but they are going to get drafted in a spot where it's worth their while to stay. Just outside of the lottery, still solid first round, top 20-ish pick or whatever, okay, you get up to state. So it's getting to the point now, Shay Gilders Alexander, we can't even be surprised by the surprise guys who come in and blow up and become a one-and-done. So that's where we are now. Forget still being surprised by one-and-done, period. The surprise, oh, he got way better than we thought he would. We should even kind of expect that to happen. We don't know who it'll be, but, you know, one of these guys coming in this year, Maxie or Khalil Whitney or um, the Brooks kid that are committed as freshmen, that one of these guys might go, oh, boom, oh, he's going to be picked 18th. We didn't see that going into the fall, going into Big Blue Madness. But it's happening year, year in and year out. 
Yeah, and again, you just can't be surprised uh, because even the one and done kind of has changed. Because it used to be the one and done kids, you knew they were one and done from the jump. Like you knew yeah. Kevin Durant is only going to be here a year. You know, but now you've got guys like Hero and Keldon Johnson where it's like, you know, even if they're not quite lottery, is it is it worth them is it worth them coming back for another year to move up four or five spots? Like is that worth it? So you've got to take all that in consideration as well. So even if you're not lottery, you could end up with a pretty a pretty good landing spot. Again, going back to like to Tayshawn, not an early first round pick, and you mess around and you get in a very good situation. And, and and you know, and it's not about getting in the league; it's about staying in the league. So, I wish those guys well. Obviously, would love to have them back, but you're just not. I think 2015 was just lightning in a bottle. You're not going to get that much talent to come in and that much talent to stay. That that that's just not going to 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 work out. So I think it was great that Hero and Johnson went ahead and and kind of cut the cord and said they weren't coming back. So that gives Cal and his staff uh, enough time to kind of fill up some roster spots, whether it's uh, through grad transfers or, or what have you. I think that that was a great move uh, for them. But, you know, I'm not faulting these guys. I, I'm not faulting these guys at, at all. Yeah, yeah. It's just still disappointing to see those that do, but it, it happens. And that shouldn't surprise us either, as, as bad as it sounds. As we always say it. You know, you say it a lot. Fan is short for fanatic. So to still see the negative reaction to these events, that shouldn't surprise us. You know, as as much as people know better, some still have decided not to do better or act better or respond better uh, when we see guys decide to stay. Uh, so congratulations to them all. Wish all of them well. Uh, Baker with his transfer. And now Keldon and Tyler as they join P.J., uh, in the NBA draft, uh, and if anything else shakes down, if if something were to go down with Richards or Montgomery, we'll we'll see and, and cross that bridge when we get there. But you know the roster's taking shape. We see who's leaving. We see who's coming. And, uh, it'll continue to morph. Uh, you hear and talk possibly maybe another transfer. You hear the Sustina kid that's already there from Bucknell, Blackshear from Virginia Tech, is now maybe on the radar. Uh, he came in and played well at Rupp Arena when Virginia Tech was there a couple years ago. So if that happens, we'll we'll, we'll see how he fits in. Uh, if there's somebody else Cal has his eye on, we'll, we'll see how they fit in. Uh, it's an open book. It will continue to move. It will continue to develop. It will continue to evolve throughout the summer as Cal and the staff see fit for that to happen. Um this is Cats Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brandon Hardy Radio Network. Let everybody know that our show is brought to you by the Smoky Mountain Trader, uh, 5063 Suite 1 West Andrew Johnson Highway, Morristown, Tennessee, 423-587-1700. Take care of all your advertising needs, graphics, classified, uh, buying and selling, listing items, finding items, whatever you want to do. Online or in print, Smoky Mountain Trader, 
can take care of you. Lynn Earl is the publisher there. Uh, you can give him an email at ads at vsmtrader.com. Uh, check out the website at vsmtrader.com. Same thing on Facebook and Twitter, S-M-K-Y-M-T-N-Trader. And there's a number one red reader in the tri-state area, 12 counties here in Tennessee, southwest Virginia, Lee County, southeastern Kentucky, Bell County. That whole area, they got you covered. You want to buy, sell, you want to trade, you want to list, you want to look for something in particular, they can take care of you. And if you need your finances taken care of, you definitely want to see uh, our main man, Aaron Huff, at Huff Law Office. Are you facing a foreclosure, repossession, wage garnishment, tax issues, or mounting credit card or medical debt? You may need a bankruptcy. Call Aaron Huff at the Huff Law Office today, 859-647-0713. Got an office in Florence, Northern Kentucky, Florence, y'all. Provides representation for the Covington, Lexington, Frankfurt, and London divisions. If your finances are rough, call Huff right there at Huff Law Office. 7430 U.S. Highway 42, Suite 107. Definitely give our man Aaron Huff a call. And we want to pass on well wishes to his father, who had been having some health issues. I saw him tweeting about that a couple of days ago. So definitely let him know that we're thinking about him and his family and his dad at this time. Um, and it's, that's definitely stressful situations to go through. So, uh, Enjoy having Aaron on the show with us a couple of years ago, and definitely hope your dad has a speedy recovery. Absolutely. Uh, I've been touching base with him, and, and he was just talking about seeing his dad kind of in a, a different health way, and, and I was right there with my dad. It's, it, I tweeted this out when my dad got sick. It's, it's something when Superman gets sick, and, you know, when it comes to dads, You've been fortunate enough to have a great dad. I was fortunate enough to have a real great dad. And, and, and uh, Aaron's dad sounds like he's right up there with those guys. But watching watching Superman get 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 sick, that's tough. So definitely tip my hat to uh, to those uh, to the Huffs. But sounds like he's doing better. Absolutely. I saw he was he was doing a whole lot better. So again, wishing him a speedy uh, speedy recovery. That's for sure. That's for sure. We got lots more to talk about. We'll take a quick break right now. We got another UK Athletics Hall of Fame class. We got the spring game. We got some questionable reinstatement taking place, TV. You mentioned the big comeback in NBA playoffs. There was another one that another former cat had his hand in. We got former cats that are kind of making their marks when it comes to the playoffs, and we got some sad news when it comes to a former cat concerning the playoffs as well. Lots and lots to get to. Catch Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Tay Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network. Stay right with us. We're not going to be going long.
We are back. Cats Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, coming to you live right now on blogtalkradio.com slash Cats Talk. You'll see the show in progress if you click right there. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Cats Talk Wednesday, Cats Talk W-E-D. Like the Facebook page. Almost got a 1,000 likes, Cats Talk W-E-D there uh, as well. If you're not able to get us now, we're available and accessible anywhere you can find your podcast, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, CastBox FM, uh, TuneIn, a myriad of ways to get to us. And the show also replays on Thursday nights for the night owls, 2 a.m. to 4 p.m., 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. on 12 on Sports Radio, and also Saturday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. So several ways to get at us. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Give us a comment. Share it on Twitter and social media. Text it to your friends. Say, hey, here's a podcast you would like. Um, or the whole word of mouth thing, good old trusty word of mouth. That will work as well. And we definitely appreciate it. Appreciate everybody who always takes the time to listen to what we have to say each and every Wednesday evening. TV keeping it with UK events you covered as well. We had the Catsby's that went down on Monday. That's always a fun event. All the athletes, regardless of sport, dress to kill. Uh, the blue carpet is out. You can attest to the desserts and all the good, you know, delectable deliciousness that's for the taking as well as everybody gets some recognition for what they've done uh, in their respective sports and throughout the seasons for the seasons they've had as teams and as individual athletes. Yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, event. I'm, I've seen other teams, other schools kind of do it. U of L has the, the, the Louis, which, you know, okay, but it, it's good. I saw that. Uh, but, uh, but it's great. <laughs> Because again, the, the picture I liked was all the hardware that the teams had collectively won this year, and uh, that to me, again, it's a testament to th- th- this is not a we're not a one sport school, and and this notion that it's just men's basketball, it's it's so outdated as to be comical. You know, every team has had great success here recently. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to ramble because if I start talking about all those awards, I'm going to omit somebody. And I don't want to do that, but it's just universal. That's why we've gone from being a top 50 overall athletic program to consistently ranked in the top 15 because the expectation is for the teams to compete. And not only that, as we've talked about time and time again, especially with the basketball guys, with with Cal, they're bringing in great student athletes. Uh, You know, so many of the players, I think Macy Morris was uh, on the good hands team or something like that for her volunteer and mentoring and everything like that 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 she's done. And we know DJ Conrad at the Children's Hospital did. I mean, you there's just so many players doing so many really good things in the community, and that's the expectation. You know, you're going to come here, 
as a student athlete, number one, you're going to be a great student. And I think the APR rankings for, for Kentucky athletics as a whole is, is competitive. To be a student, you're going to excel on the court or on the field, which we have done, but you're also going to make uh, a mark in the community, which we've also been very fortunate enough to have a lot of folks do that. So it's great. I hate that I was not able to go this year, but definitely uh, it's a great way to celebrate uh, University of Kentucky Athletics. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So uh, definitely it'll be here again before we know it. and uh, it's, it's cool that they put forth the effort to, to set aside the time to do that uh, for everybody is recognized. Like you always say, everybody is working you know, and putting forth the same amount of effort into their craft, no matter what sport that they are playing. Uh, so it's a cool event, and, yeah, there are some other schools doing it. So I, I did see the Louis thing, and I think there's some Volspies or something down here uh, of a similar nature. So, you know, okay. Uh, but moving on, we saw where uh, it's another class going into the UK Athletics Hall of Fame, 2019 class. Uh, you have a headline by DeMarcus Cousins, which we remember what he did with John Wall, who's already in to start the Calipari era and right the ship from the Billy G era uh, in Kentucky basketball. Andre Woodson, what he did to help Rich Brooks you know, legitimize Kentucky football, upset a little with the upset of LSU. Those are wins that we will never forget. Uh, when they took down those ranked opponents uh, in Commonwealth Stadium, uh, you have Henry uh, Junghano of Rifle, uh, Adia Mathis, women's basketball, back when Coach Mitchell's era was getting underway. She did her thing. Uh, Vic Nelson, track and field, cross country uh, as an athlete. Don Weber, track and field cross country as an athlete, an assistant coach, and a head coach, uh, and I already mentioned Andre Whitson. So congratulations to those six. The classes are always great. The classes are always diverse. They cover a lot of different sports um, and do a good job with that as far as who's in. Um, like you with last week with the Hoop Hall Hall of Fame, you kind of look at who's not in there and just, you know, just to nitpick a little bit, Melvin Turpin should be in. I did not know he wasn't in. I heard Michael Bennett this morning on his show saying that Oscar Combs had tweeted out. We had both of those guys on our show different points in time, and, and Michael has plugged our show on his show. But I didn't know that Melvin Turpin wasn't in there, and he is, you know, from 81 to 84, you know, we were youngsters. You were still a L fan, but you know, I got vague memories of Turpin along with Bowie and you know, Roger Harden and those guys, but I didn't know that he wasn't in there. So hopefully the late Melvin Turpin can be added to this list and inducted as well. Uh, but congratulations to the six that are going in to the 2019 UHK Athletics class. Yeah, I'm going to I tip my hat. It's one of those things you can't really argue with people that get in, but you have to some of the, sometimes like any Hall of Fame, uh, obviously there's going to be a question on who still is not in. That's always been the biggest thing 
with me. So I think in that respect, uh, you know, there's some things. I think I think Melvin Turpin and some other folks will will get in eventually, but it's just it's it's crazy that not already yet. Because I was like you, I assumed he was. Yeah, and Michael, I don't think he was taking the shot this morning, but he was, was kind of insinuating that maybe Cal was trying to put his guys ahead of guys from the past that weren't in there or, or in a way kind of delay those guys from back in the day from getting in there. And I kind of disagree with that um, because, I mean, look how Cal is with, with Joe B. Hall and how he welcomes back former players. I don't put Melvin Turpin not being in on Cal. He played his last game at UK 25 years before Cal got hired at Kentucky. It's, it's not his fault that Melvin Turpin isn't in or, you know, for Cal, to, and of course Cal would know him, but to, you know, had the time to, oh, Melvin Turpin's not in the Hall of Fame, let's, let's, let's write this wrong. That's not Cal's job. That's that's a little bit of a slip up as far as the, you know, the committee that does the inducting that Melvin Turpin's not in. So I'm, I'm not putting that on Cal or even saying he's trying to bow up about letting those guys get in because, you know, Walker's in, Kenny Walker's in, Turpin, I mean, Bowie and, you know, Rex and, and all those guys from, you know, back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and there's a few left from the 90s that aren't in, but uh, hopefully they get in as well. Like a Wayne Turner was mentioned, he's not in, but uh, hopefully they all get in as well. Yeah, you know, I, I think in the absence of knowing 100% how things go, that's how you get conspiracy theories. Like, I, I haven't met anyone, and that Oscar Combs included, that 100% can explain how they pick what jerseys are hanging up in Rupp Arena. Right. So if you don't know the, the process, you start thinking, well, it's got to be something. There's some reason why this guy isn't in there. You know, for, for my money, and again, I don't know who the last person to get get their jersey retired I, i'd have to look that up i don't know but for all the great success from the mid to late 90s not a lot of guys up there and and for me mm-hmm. I, I think you'd have to if you're going to do that as you said you've got to look at wayne turner who at one point had more collegiate wins as a player than anybody and i think he's still top five uh with two titles so and it was a key member of those teams Let's not, you know, let us not forget that even on the great 96 team, you know, he played a, a key role on that team. Um, so you, there's, there's definitely an, an area of improvement. That's one thing I, I like about North Carolina. North Carolina says, okay, if you're an All-American, I think if you're all there's like a, there's a, a pattern. If you're All-American, you get this honor. If you're Player of the Year, you get this. Like there's a, there's a clear – that you know going in, if you reach this status, you get this. And I, I, I like that because you're knowing because it, it, in Lexington, you just you don't know. You don't know what folks are looking for. Like, is, is Tony Delk even, even up and rough? I don't think so. Mm. And, you know, and I thought that would have been the guy. But I know for the longest time it was yeah. Jamal Mashburn and then nobody else. And I'm like, come right. on, you know, if, if, uh-huh. if you're not going to 
if you're not going to put Tony Delk in there, then don't even have it. Because I can't think of a guy that if you're going to put one person to represent, you know, that, that great run, it's got to be Tony Delk. So I don't know what these guys are looking for, these guys and ladies that are doing that, but there are a lot of head-scratching decisions when you look at, you know, who's being remembered for, for what. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, you know, they can use some tweaking, as Cal would say, uh, some more transparency or clear definitions across the board, and maybe that will, will happen at some point. Flipping it to Augusta, you wrote a great piece about it. Tiger Woods ends the majors drought, ends the masters drought, comes from behind uh, on Sunday in the final grouping, down two shots uh, to get the fifth green jacket and just kind of flash us all back to what was almost seemingly uh, every weekend kind of thing. Uh, I tweeted it. I mean, I did. I used to kind of take it for granted. I mean, it was so cool. They didn't burst onto the scene. So I'm as an amateur at Stanford. He's just a couple years older than us. And then to see him just, you know, beat down the field in 97, you know, by double-digit strokes and, you know, you looked up and he was on Sports Center Sunday evening. What else? Tiger winning again. Uh, I wouldn't always watch glue to the TV. I just turned out, okay, Tiger did it again. And because that's how dominant he was. And this past weekend kind of took us back to that. You know, I was showing, showing clips, you know, showing my boys how he used to play, some of his top shots, his tough shots, those improbable shots he used to hit from – you know, places where he was in trouble or in the rough or, you know, beside the trees and, and all that and would get himself back on the fairway and right back up next to the hole. Uh, you know, showing I was like, but this is how it how it used to be. You know, all these twenty some year old guys you're watching now, these these guys grew up watching Tiger and are trying to beat him and here he is fixing to beat them again. So it was it was cool to to flash back to that and we didn't talk about it last week, didn't didn't mention it, didn't make picks or anything like that. We talked about it a little bit last year because he had put together a couple solid tournaments where you saw him finish high. You saw him getting a couple top tens. You saw him kind of showing the best form he had shown since he had been trying to come back. And and we know all of the Issues that have kept him from being able to play, you know, physical issues, emotional, health, personal, all across the board. But he was kind of putting it together and getting himself back into contention last year. So to see him kind of get over that hump and and get you know the fifteenth master, fifteenth uh, major championship, you know, it, it was really cool to, to witness that this past weekend. So, yeah, I, and I agree with everything you, you have said. So let me, uh, you know, I, I wrote about this. I, I made it personal for for me because my dad hated golf growing up. You know, there was always, uh, you know, if CBS didn't have that second doubleheader game, you'd be watching the NFL game, 
get a snack, come back, and golf would be on. And my dad would be just livid that <laughs> golf was on. You know, and there's all there's all sorts of uh, there's that racial component to golf and how it was viewed. You know, kind of right before we were growing up, and and it's kind of a it's a country club sport and 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 and, and this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So I didn't pay attention to golf. You know, I, I, I didn't know uh, all this kind of stuff. Well, then Tiger comes, and I remember that that Sunday. Uh, at the Maesters in 97 when he's just obliterated the field. Like it was, you know, it, it was like you have a 30-point lead, you know, going into halftime of a championship game. There was just this big buildup to him, you know, those last six or seven holes. Like you saw it coming. Like he's not just winning, but it's how he won. It's what seeing a different colored golfer do, my dad called me on the phone. And if your dad is like my dad, like most dads, dads don't get on the phone. My dad called me in my dorm room. Are you watching this? I said, yes, I'm watching this. He said, look at that boy go. And so from that point on, you know, we would talk about all kinds of stuff. My dad would say, do you see what Tiger did? Or he, that boy doesn't want another one. Something along those lines. So, and then you saw how Tiger Woods was interacting with Earl Woods, his dad, you know, that hug uh, of the two of them at the 97 Masters. You knew that the Tiger was right there with his dad. And I don't think we can adequately tell our kids, like I try to tell my, my girls how big Michael Jackson was. Like I don't think, you know, you know, Justin Bieber can sell a million records. You know, Beyonce can sell a couple of million. Like, but I don't think they can fully grasp how big Michael Jackson was. The same way with Tiger Woods. Like, you can look at the numbers, and you can see, you know, when Tiger's in contention, the viewership like quadruples. It's just that he was bringing people to golf that had sworn off of golf. My uncles was like, just like my dad, they golf now. My uncles and cousins do because of Tiger. Like, I just – you can't explain that enough. So, he's at the peak, peak. You know, he's, he's winning his majors. He had the Tiger Slam, all four major championships at one, one time. And it was, you know, win or go home. And like you said, he's about our age. You know, he got married about the same time I did. He had his two kids. So, for me, not that I'm an elite golfer, but I kind of saw myself in Tiger. And then there was the fall from grace. Right, uh, the 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 infidelity, the crumbling of his marriage, and all that, and then the physical issues. So, like you said, it was not just his 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 mental side; it was physical. It was everything kind of happening at once? And what I wrote about, and what I'll share here, you know, I went through a divorce. You know, I wasn't the father uh, or the, the husband that I pretended to be at some time. So I understand. You know, so that's what irked me when after 10 years, we get this Tiger Woods back. We get a glimpse of the guy that we grew up watching that was so, so dominant that we never thought we'd see again. And he's got, there's that video of all these sports people saying, you know, Tiger's done. You know, it's, it's, I'm a Tiger guy, but I'm thinking he's not going to be able to do it again. Like he'll show flashes for a round. Uh But is he going to be able to do it for a whole weekend? I didn't think we'd ever see that. So 
once he makes that charge, well, then you got people that bring up because more most people what I see you know, on social media is like, man, Tiger's doing it. Like this is this is his road to redemption. Well, then you got the people that they, wait a minute, road to redemption. Remember what he did, and you know the jokes fly. What I tweeted about, what I wrote about is number one. We don't know these athletes like we think we do. That's number one. You know, I had someone say, well, he, per- he created this image that he was perfect. I said, they all do. They all do. All these celebrities and entertainers, we don't know them for real, just like we don't know politicians. More importantly than that, you don't know the person that works in the cube next to you. You know what they want you to know. It's just on a bigger scale when it comes to Tiger Woods. So he had a fall from grace. His marriage, his family crumbled. I've been there. And I just tell people, what you say about Tiger, how you feel about Tiger, doesn't mean anything versus the conversation he had to have with his kids on why their world was changing. I've had to answer those questions. I've had to say to my children, I didn't do what I was supposed to do all the time, and this is where we are. So it doesn't matter what people on the outside say. Tiger's already had those hard conversations with his family, I'm, I'm assuming. based on. And, again, I don't know him either. You know, people, well, how do you know he's changed? Well, how do you know he hasn't changed? You know, at some point, Tiger has been mocked. He has been criticized. He has been ridiculed, and deservedly so. I'm not saying he's innocent. But it's gone on for 10 years. Not one person watching the Masters this past weekend did not know what happened with Tiger Woods for the last 10 years. No. So the people are like, well, remember this? Yes, we all remember it, which is why we're saying it's a redemption story. You know, Tiger Woods, he didn't cheat on you. He didn't commit adultery against you. He didn't break up your family. He broke up his. He's answerable to those people. And I put this in my piece, Tiger Woods is not coming to your house to beg for forgiveness. It's not going to happen. So like Tiger, I'm trying to put myself back together. I'm on my own personal road of redemption, even though some of the issues were self-caused. And that's what it should be about. Look, we have all made mistakes, right? We all fall short of perfection. My whole thing is, is what he did so bad that even after 10 years we can't let it go did you see his son hug him when he came off the 18th green did you see that Vinny Uh that to me shows hey they're okay all right and if Ellen Tiger's ex-wife and his kids and his family can forgive him and move on why can't we Tiger Woods didn't break any laws Tiger Woods did not do anything other he 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 ruined his marriage and 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 that's something that he's got to deal with like something i got to deal with but people well i don't know if i forgive him he didn't do anything to you nothing well he's not who we thought we nobody is and and that's the thing too is we buy into these we we want to act sophisticated like you can't pull the wool over my eyes and then we well tiger woods pretended he was perfect okay do you think that, that, that Brett Favre, when he was waffling back and forth, did, did you really buy into that all-shucks country boy persona? 
I mean, no, they're not what you think they are. And we keep getting surprised when we see a celebrity or see a, a famous person like, well, I didn't know that. Look, <laughs> we don't know these people. We just don't. And I'm sorry that your feelings are hurt. The Tiger Woods that you believe was perfect is not. I'm sorry that hurts your feelings. But at some point, I think the statute of limitations has worn off on dumping on Tiger Woods. That's all I was saying with my with what I wrote about. Um, it is a redemption story. Even if you self-sabotage your own family, there is a road to redemption for you. That's my two cents, and I've rambled, and I apologize, but it's just it, it, it's kind of personal because it just reminds me of where I've been on my own journey. And you know, and I just I wouldn't want people to keep reminding me of, well, you know, you're divorced. Yeah, I got it. I mean, it, it, there's no reason to keep rehashing it. Is, is is where I'm coming from. So I rambled enough. I saw that interaction. I saw the conversation. I guess to your original tweet, and I was just <laughs> just watching, you know, the, the replies and your rebuttals and and. <sighs> So after that, I guess she was like, "Don't go there. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just put this in a piece now, just to let all y'all know well, <laughs> how I'm well, feeling." I think that, 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 that you gonna write anywhere in that conversation just kind of irked you to the point like, "Man, I'm about to write about this now." <laughs> I was, I was gonna write it anyway, but then oh, okay. know, I figured, you know, fifteen, twenty tweets in, I may as well write it out. <laughs> And that's a good and, dude. And, I mean, he follows been we've followed him forever, but I saw that and I was like, Man, just kept he kept coming and kept coming and kept, you know, you know, trying to you know stand his ground or or be where he, you know, entrenched in his view and you know, so I enjoyed the piece. I enjoyed all your the whole conversation because that was that was real open and honest and it took a lot to do that. So and then to write it too. Oh yeah, and 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 that and that's where I'm coming from. Is look, look uh, uh, again, I'm no world class golfer. I, I get that, but but Tiger Woods, uh, again, <laughs> with just that connection with my dad, and, and 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 all this, and seeing Tiger break down the barriers he did, being a great athlete. Well, then you know he loses his dad, which I have done. He goes through a kind of rocky divorce, which I have done, and he's tried to put himself on the road to redemption, which I am trying to do. And personal to me, because I'm like, he's trying to do the right thing. Again, with the caveat, I don't know Tiger Woods, I have not met him, but the appearance is he's trying to, well, how do we know if he's really sorry? We don't. We, I mean, we, we, we don't know. All I'm saying is your criticisms and, and, and you zinging him, I, I, I can't stress this to people enough. Well, you know, Tiger Woods is rich. I get that. I get that. Money, you know, whatever. I get that. I do. But the hardest thing I have ever done in my life, and I've buried both of my brothers and my father, the hardest thing I've ever had to do was look my girls in the face and tell them that their mother and I were getting a divorce. The hardest thing. 
the hardest thing. And so I don't know, even if you're a millionaire, is there a service you can pay to take that away? Then no. I, 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 I just, I don't, I, I'm, I'm rambling again, and I do apologize. It just, these athletes, they don't owe you anything. It goes back to what we talked about in the first hour with these, you know, one-and-done guys. They don't owe you anything. We don't own these athletes. Well, I buy tickets. So what? You know, I buy, you know, I, you know, I've been a season ticket holder. So what? You don't own these kids. You know, uh, for some reason, for some reason, we hate athletes. We, I, I know we hate rich people, and some rich people deserve our scorn, but we hate these guys. Did you see that, that clip of, of Derrick Rose when he found out the Bulls had traded him? Have you seen that? I, had, I, I saw it, but I didn't click on it. I've got to watch that. So he is talking about he's from Chicago, obviously, and he's playing for his hometown Bulls. And I can't only imagine, I know how big Michael Jordan was when you and I grew up, but imagine being a high school kid in Chicago or middle school kid watching Michael Jordan, and you work and you get good enough to come play for the Chicago Bulls. Like you get to be in the same locker room that Michael Jordan was in, your idol, your team growing up. So Derrick Rose is talking about how much he loves the city of Chicago and all this kind of stuff. And then can't remember if it was a phone call or text message that he gets. He finds out he's been traded, which is why I, when, when Kevin Durant signed, when LeBron did the decision, when guys do X, Y, and Z, I don't, I don't judge those guys because they get to make their own decisions rather than invest and then do all this stuff and get traded. Look at Isaiah Thomas. What he played, what he did for the Celtics. And what happened? Well, you got to go. You got to go. It's a business decision. But for some reason, we don't allow athletes to be human. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's the biggest issue when it comes to the Tiger Woods criticism, when it comes to a lot of these athletes. We don't allow them to be human and in in a lot of it uh like bowani jones says you know people people are just jealous well you know i'd I'd play for free if i was playing the kids game no it's a business buddy no no you wouldn't well you know i'd go to if i got a scholarship to uk i'd stay all four years no you wouldn't no don't don't (laughs) don't finish that lie don't finish that lie he just went here because of more money yeah Yes. Yes. You, you get these people. Well, you know, I love my job, and if I could get a comparable job that was, you know, a little bit more money, I wouldn't go. Stop lying. Stop lying. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, come on, come on. It, it, it's a business. It's it's whatever. But people just stay so hard-hearted and jealous when it comes to these. Uh, to these athletes, because if you notice, and again, I'm sorry about rambling, but we don't have any guests on, and it's our show. 
But if you notice, when you start talking about, you know, when people start tweeting about Derrick Rose and how the Bulls treated him, what's the first thing people talk about? Well, he's getting paid a lot of money. The conversation that you were talking about that I had on Twitter when I was talking about, you know, Tiger Woods had to explain to his kids that he brought about the demise of their family. But he's got a lot of money. Money doesn't fix everything. Steve Harvey, in one of his stands-up years ago, said, if you think money fixes everything, get you a couple of dollars and see what happens. For whatever reason, people think, man, if I just got a million dollars. Buddy, no. No. You, you, you. I've seen this documentaries and you talk to these, these celebrities and people. Your world completely changes with money. That's a whole new set of problems. You got to worry about every interaction you have. Is this person trying to be my friend or is it because I got this money? And last time I checked, does money, does money prevent death? Not that I understood. Michael Jordan was the most famous person in the world. His dad got killed on the side of the road. How much many how many millions do you think that Michael Jordan would have paid to prevent that? You know, Bill Cosby and I know all his stuff. His son died on the side of the road. How much money do you think he would have given up for that? Money doesn't money does not it takes care of some issues, but you get the you get issues back. But I'm just anytime you talk about how an athlete gets done, what 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 do people say? Oh, they get paid a lot of money. That don't fix everything. It just gives you a new set of problems. Everybody's got problems. Money just that, that just upsets me. You can't even have a nuanced discussion about like like the Derrick Roses and, and, and there have been other guys that wanted to stay with the team forever and ever and they had to move on from them. Yeah. That that's the that's the rare what we saw with Dwayne Wade in his career, what we saw with uh, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, what we saw with Kobe Bryant, you do, you're not going to see that again, where the team kind of rewards your longevity. That doesn't happen. You know, Michael Jordan wanted to play basketball again. The Bulls said, no thanks. <laughs> and he had to go to Washington. <laughs> Emmett Smith set all kinds of rushing records. Where did he play his last couple seasons at, Vinny? Was he was he in Dallas? He was in the desert, I do believe. He was in I'm a 49ers fan. Exactly. I'm a 49ers fan. I had to watch Joe Montana on Monday Night Football in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. Oh, Teams huh. will get rid of you. That's part of it. So when the and athlete stands up in don't, don't yeah, I know. He, he they told they told Jerry Rice in San Francisco he was too old. So what did he do? He had two more Pro Bowl seasons and a Super Bowl appearance in Oakland. You in a heartbeat. We got JJ Stokes and Terry Lowe coming in, Jerry. Thank you for everything, buddy. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, and at that point. He'd already had every receiving record in the book, but you don't get you don't get those farewell tours too much. Akeem Olajuwon on the Raptors, 
Patrick Ewing on the Sonics. You see bizarre stuff like that. So when an athlete yeah. has a little bit of leverage, I'm all for it. You know, some people, LeBron has brought out the, the end of the NBA. Look, if you're a LeBron-type talent, if you're a Kevin Durant, you sign those short-term deals. Sign them. Keep your leverage. I'm okay with it. Shake things up. But but going back to Tiger Woods, it was great to see. I don't know if we will see it again. I, I think uh, it's too premature to say, uh-oh, you know, here comes Tiger. But the difference to me was, going back, and I'll backtrack a little bit, this was the first time the other golfers looked nervous when Tiger was playing. Like, trying to, try to tell people what it was like. Tiger Woods made the other golfers nervous. And that's exactly what happened on Sunday. Tiger in that final pairing in red, now you've got guys that all week have been making shots, paired with Tiger, not making them. <laughs> so that's part of the aura as well. You know, it, it's just Tiger. And these guys, say this like, these guys grew up watching him. Now, you you know, he intimidated the old guard, you know, burst on the scene at 20, 21 and all of that. You know, Phil, David Duvall, you know, all those guys, you know, kind of losing their, you know, guts and stuff against him. But this, you know, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, uh, Justin Thomas, all these guys, you know, 20, 24, George Spieth, Roy McElroy, they grew up watching Tiger and, you know, watching him intimidate all these other guys. And you kept hearing, all oh, while Tiger was down, you know, these guys aren't scared of Tiger. They're not, they're not in fear. They're not intimidated by Tiger. But now this is the guy they grew up watching still looking like the guy they grew up watching, and now they're having to face him. And it was a whole different animal seeing him in red standing beside them on Sunday because, you know, they had never experienced it. They saw it all as an eight-year-old, but 15 years later, oh, my God, now here I am against my guy. And now I'm going to lose my belief just like Lee Trevino did you know, or whoever. So it's, you know, crazy. And, and one last point, when we talk about how big Tiger was, he is in that rarefied air where even if you hated golf, which my dad did, you still watch. There aren't too many athletes that become must-see. Because you don't know what you're going to see. You, you, like, you know you're going to watch something special. Tiger Woods was must-see. And he's going to become must-see again. I mean, the list of athletes, the list of athletes that, are must, that were must-see, I put Tiger, I put Serena, Ali, and I put Jordan on that list. And I know I'm leaving out a lot of great, great athletes. But I put Tiger on that Ali level. You know, boxing, kind of a niche sport, not quite what it used to be, you know, way back then. But Muhammad Ali became great before the Internet. (laughs) And all his big fights were pay-per-view. Like, you couldn't even get it for free. 
that's that's mind blowing to me. But Tiger has become must watch TV, and the numbers back it up. The numbers back it up. So I'm happy for him. You know, people can bring up his past. People can make fun of, oh, you know, look at these guys in their 30s talking about Tiger Woods. Yes. I mean, it's equivalent to right now, how giddy would you be if Troy Aikman said, I'm coming back and leads the Cowboys to a Super Bowl? I mean, that's that's the, the, the 10-year gap. That's the gap you're looking at, right? If, you know, I mean, honestly, it's hard to fathom yeah. that happening especially as bad as he looked these last 10 years. Right. You know, it'd be different yeah. if he had a lot of top five finishes. It, it, this just, you know, he showed flashes, like I said, for a round or two, but there's a lot of missed cuts. There are a lot of uh, situations where you're like, oh, he, just, he, he ain't got it. And for him yeah. to put this together, I, and I think – and I meant to put this in my piece, only Tiger Woods could pull this off. Because if you had any other great golfer to come back after this, it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked. Because with golf, you're out there by yourself. And the margin for error is so big, right, that you've got to be mentally tough to do that. And we talked about the guys around Tiger Wilton but you've got to be mentally tough if you're Tiger Woods because that's a lot, you know, the, the, that whole round of golf, it takes a couple of hours. That's a lot of walking, a lot of standing, a lot of getting lost in your own thoughts. And I think what made Tiger great was that he was able to block all that out and perform at a high level. So we've talked about Tiger enough, but it was great to see uh, I talked to Mama B, and and and, and she, you know, was talking about Tiger and, and talking about Tiger and his dad and my dad. It's just to to make him any kind of deity. But Tiger Woods means a lot to a, a lot of people. To our generation, he was he was our goat. You know, Jordan was a little bit older, but Tiger was our age, or is our age, I should yeah. say. So I think it's a little bit different than 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 another athlete. So. Again, uh, you know, exactly. folks should go read my article because I wrote it and it was awesome. So, <laughs> CameronMillsRadio.com, check that out for sure. You mentioned farewell tours uh, and how guys don't know how to get them anymore. You mentioned Dwayne Wade, and we talked about Dwayne Wade last week. You know, him and Dirk ending their careers. What we didn't talk about was Paul Pierce and Dwayne Wade and the whole they don't love you like that, Paul Pierce, because Pierce was asked straight up on NBA Countdown with himself and Michelle Beadle and Jalen Rose and was asked who has a better career between himself and Dwayne Wade. And Look, every, you know, you're supposed to bail yourself. You're supposed to have confidence. Elite athletes don't get to where they get to without having confidence in themselves and some ego and, you know, trusting their abilities and their accomplishments and so on and so forth. And Paul Pierce had a great career. He plays for the Celtics. You hate the Celtics. 
I hated both of them growing up Celtics and Lakers, so I wasn't a Celtics fan. They became less hateable with Rondo and, and the big three, but I still I can't ever be a Celtics fan. Paul Pierce answers the question, who's had the better career, himself or Dwayne Wade, and says, that's easy, me. We're talking about him and Dwayne Wade, and he said, that's easy, me. And, you know, look, he had Shaq. You talking about Shaq in my hand. You give me Shaq when I'm 24 and 25 years old. I'd have five or six championships easy. He won one. I wrote a piece about Speaking of articles we write, cameramisrader.com, I wrote an article about Pierce yeah, and Wade. And he says, I'd have five or six easy. Then he goes ahead and throws people under the bus. You know, he said, you know, the first 10 years of my career, who did I play with? 10 years, my first 10 years, I played with who? I played with who? Now, he did play with former cat Antoine Walker, who made the All-Star game, I think, three times in that span. He also played with Kenny Anderson, who, you know, you have having a lot of celebrity friends. You are tight with Kenny Anderson on Twitter. Y'all follow each other. <laughs> And once again, concerns and thoughts to Kenny Anderson, who had some health scares the past week or so ago or two because he had a stroke. So he's having to recover from that as well. So we definitely hope he has a, a speedy recovery as well. But Paul Pierce continued to just dig in and and make himself stick to his guns and, and make himself look bad. Uh, Wade has more rings. Wade had more defensive honors as far as NBA all defensive teams and all that, more all-star game appearances. Um, uh, but the one that got me, the stat that got me when I was writing it, Paul Pierce, I'm sorry, Dwayne Wade could play 115 more games. Well, I know he just retired, but if he decided I'm going to play 115 more games, I'd tell you, 82 games are in the regular season, right? 82-game season? That's correct. Now, your Lakers, back with Wilton, Jerry West, they set the record for how many consecutive wins in a row? 33. So, an 82-game season plus 33 more games will give you 115 games. The way Wade could play an 82-game season and a 71-72 Lakers win streak worth of games more. Almost a season and a half, because 41 games would be exactly half a season. He can almost play another season and a half and score zero points in those 115 games and would still have a higher scoring average than Paul Pierce. That blew my mind. Jalen Rose was trying to help Paul and, and let him know some of the stats and let him see that, you know, hey, bruh, what you doing? Michelle Beadle just dropped her head when Paul Pierce said, ease, that's easy, me. And then she later said, what are we doing right now? Because he just, he just embarrassed himself. Um, you know, it's, it was it was bad. It was it was it was bad. 
I don't like Draymond Green. But Draymond Green gave us <laughs> the best thing ever. They don't love you like that. You're not Kobe. And, and Paul Pierce, the thing is, this isn't new. If you look at a lot of Paul Pierce stuff through his career, he always thought that he was at that level. And look, look, Paul Pierce had a great career. Yeah. Absolutely great. Very, very good player. But there wasn't ever a time where you thought he was the best player in the league. And Dwayne Wade absolutely was. I know, I don't think he was ever MVP, but there was a stretch where you're like, there's nobody better than Dwayne Wade. Paul Pierce never had that. He had moments, but it was never like, okay, okay. So Paul Pierce, I would put him up there with like an Eli Man. Great guy, great player, but you're not you're not elite. And the crazy thing is, and you know people you know, when he said, "Oh, well, you know, he had Shaq." Do you know who the sec- second leading scorer in the '06 Finals was after Dwayne Wade? Former Celtic Antoine Walker. Shaq wasn't <laughs> Shaq then. And, and the thing is, if you think that, well, just give me Shaq, we won five or six. Shaq had Kobe, and they couldn't make it work. Now, I'm watching you pop off about who you're better than, and I'm supposed to think that you could have made that work? No. (laughs) So, and and they set Paul Pierce up, and I know it's a great thing, you know, and then there was that that meme that came out, you know, Dwayne Wade's last game, triple-doubled, you know, Dirk went for 30 in his last game, of course, Kobe going for 60. And Paul Pierce last game, zero, 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 zero. <laughs> it's like, okay, look, I know you think you're awesome. Everybody gets that. You know, you're, you're, you're an athlete, like you said. It takes a lot of going against people to even reach that level. But just, just you know, just sit this one out. Yeah. Just, 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 just sit this one out. But, but Paul Pierce. Yeah. yeah. I just, they don't love you like that. <laughs> but the thing, the things that will stand out, you know, everybody has their signature moments, you know, for you, Jay Rice, whatever Super Bowl, <coughs> excuse me, whatever Super Bowl stands out to you, or whatever catch stands out to you, with him being your all-time favorite player, it's there, it's etched in your mind, you can never forget it, you know, it's, it's just there. It's number one. Whatever. Everybody's got their Montana moment. Everybody's got their Kobe moment, their Jordan moment, whatever. My first thing with Paul Pierce, and you made fun of it countless times, and you know, that's been being a Laker fan, hating this something. You had on the court the wheelchair game, which what will come, you know, we're old enough to remember that, and that's on the biggest stage, playing in the NBA Finals. You get remembered for being wheeled off of the court, you know, so injured that you couldn't walk up under your own power, 
Charles and Kenny and everybody on TNT, there's clips of them just, you know, absolutely belly laughing as you're getting carried off. Now, off the court, you know, we're old enough to remember him getting stabbed outside the club. You know, same thing happened to Monica Sellers. We're old enough to remember her getting, you know, assaulted on the court. She was an elite, had a legendary career. Those are the two things that I remember first about Paul Pierce. He had some game winners, had some good playoff moments, but those things overshadow what he did because there's no definitive Paul Pierce moment to me. Maybe there's some Celtics fans that have, you know, some memory. You know, he did win a title there, and they haven't won a title in 20-plus years when they won in 08. I get it. But you had a wheelchair. You have him getting stabbed, which he had to overcome that. Good for him. Props to him for overcoming that. It could have been a lot worse. Could have been fatal. Same thing with Carl Towns and Dante Allen. They, the car accidents they were in could have been a lot worse. So to overcome that, that definitely means something. But now you add him saying this to those things, and, you know, you, I remember him as already – not elite because he wasn't, and now he's just continuing to add to it in the wrong way as a member of the media now. Yeah, and, you know, they kind of set Paul, and, and, and it makes for good TV, but the thing is, Paul Pierce believes this. Yeah. Like, Paul Pierce believes he he should be talked about, it should be LeBron, MJ, and, and, and him. Like, he believes that. Yeah. I think most guys. Like like Kobe the other day on Jimmy Kimmel. And Kobe just kind of has said it just to say it. Okay, me, Michael, LeBron. He just kind of, okay, I'll just rank it just whatever, just just to appease all the people that want to hear me say it. But it wasn't the same as him just, oh, that's easy, me. It was totally different the way Kobe did that than Paul. And both of them were set up. Yeah, so but 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 Paul Pierce is just—I don't know. I, I, it, it's funny at this point for him to get dunked on. He's a—he was a good player. Yeah. In you know the '08 Finals, he balled out. You know, I watched all of those. Uh, but yeah, uh, he had a lot of help. Kevin uh, Garnett yeah. wasn't old at that point, and, and, and Ray Allen was really, really so. But. He could have said. Yeah, we have. That's my biggest thing. Is he could have said the. He could have said it a little bit more diplomatically, because those Celtics right. teams with him and, and and Antoine Walker were were pretty good. I mean, they. I know yeah. they didn't win the championship, didn't make a finals, but they were very very good teams. But and they also had a Kenny Anderson, and they, and Joe Johnson was there for a minute, so it wasn't exactly as trash as he wants us to say. Ten years, I played with who? Ten years, I played with who? To him to just puff up like and throw everybody under the bus. It, it, he had some guys there for a little bit with him. And, and that would be my thing is, how do you think if you're, if, if, if you're a, a teammate, you yeah. hear that? So that's the thing, too. And that goes back to these Celtics, these 08 Celtics that hate Ray Allen and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it was it was a one-off championship. It was just a weird conversion for a championship. 
just the lone title in 30 years of, of Boston Celtics basketball. Why they're building this up to be like some great run, it wasn't. You know, we talk about with the, what the Warriors are doing, the NBA is full of dominant teams. That's just what happens. But every now and then, again, you get the 2011 Mavericks. You get the 2008 yeah. You get yeah. the 04 <laughs> You get the, you know, the 78 <laughs> Bullets and the 77 uh, Supersonics. You get these teams that just yeah. pop up out of nowhere and win. That's what that Celtics team <laughs> was. <laughs> That's true. And it's true. We had to just double back and get them. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, and, and look, Detroit, they, I got no problem with you celebrating the championship. I get it. You win an NBA title, you win a Super Bowl, you win a World Series, celebrate it, reminisce. But, you know, spare me this, this, this dominant talk. Stop. Just, just stop. This, this, this dynasty. You won one. You got back in in, in 2010, and, and and you lost in Game Seven. So relax. So relax. Because exactly. a lot exactly. of Celtics fans, uh, especially Bill Simmons, sports guy, you know, Kobe went six for 24 in that Game Seven. <laughs> Do you remember the Boston Celtics had a five point lead? in the fourth quarter of a game seven of the NBA Finals and lost. So you can talk about Kobe all you want to. Let's talk about that. So spare me this where Dynasty and, and Ray Allen and all this kind of stuff, uh, not to get too sidetracked. I'm Team Ray when it comes to that. And, these, and the Celtics, yeah. I'm, I'm a Ray Allen guy. So I'm Team Ray when it comes to all that foolishness. Speaking of dynasties, just touch on this for a minute because we are not hockey guys. Craig Bates comes on and, and gives us the hockey knowledge. This team bears your initials, and you might have one of their caps. You may or may not. Talking about Tampa Bay, TB, the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're supposed to be a dynasty. One more regular season games than any team in NHL history. So we're talking they did the equivalent of what the 73-9 and nine Warriors did. That team still at least made the finals before losing to LeBron and the Cavaliers. This Tampa Bay Lightning team got swept in the first round by an 8 seed. Not just losing to an 8. We've seen Warriors lose to 8. We've seen the, uh, Golden State beat the Mavericks. Talking, speaking of Dirk and speaking of Avery Johnson, we've seen 8s beat 1s in, you know, six games. We saw Denver and Matumbo beat Sean Kemp and Gary Payton back when it was best of five, three games to two. But to do one of the equivalent of the 72-10 and 10 Bulls and the 73-9 and nine Warriors did and then get swept in the first round, that is insane. That was the chalk pick to win the Stanley Cup and the Columbus Blue Jackets, the HC Columbus didn't just beat them in seven games, beat them convincingly, swept them. No lucky, fluky, you know, shooting the goal off some dude's ice skate and offense helmet and bouncing off the post in the end in overtime. They beat them down convincingly four straight. So, you know, the NHL world is shook by that. 
in this, you know, the the Patriots had went eight, you know, sixteen and zero, and then lost uh, in their first playoff game after the bye. That's what this Tampa Bay Lightning team did. You know, the hundred sixteen win Mariners, and I think the Yankees. Those Mariners didn't make the World Series, I know, but the Yankees, they got to the World Series and lost. And you at least get to the the finals of your sport, and that didn't happen with the Lightning losing to the eight seed, getting swept out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, we're not hockey guys, and, and I do not have a Tampa Bay Lightning hat. There's There's one. It's okay. a white whale uh, hat that I saw it, and I should have got it, and I didn't get it. Uh, it was a black cap, and it had a white TB with a blue and white lightning bolt going through the initials on that. Yeah. So, oh, that's you. Uh, that's you, got man. It. That's all you. I know. I know. I know. I know. So I didn't get it, <laughs> and I've been searching for it and, and waiting for Tampa Bay to get good so I can get that because I do have uh, Tampa Bay Rays and Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneer stuff. So, yeah. But it's it's right up there with even more so than those uh, series that you've talked about before. Uh, we've seen the NBA, and I believe in the NHL, we've seen other eight seeds beat one seeds. This is on top. Uh, this is on par with Virginia. Uh, last year, yeah. look, Virginia won the championship. I, I get that, but part of the story is they got both raced by a sixteen seed. <laughs> and sometimes it's about how you it's about how you win, how you lose. I know it doesn't count for extra, but if you lose in a sweep, that's bad. And and from what I thought, the games weren't even all that competitive. You know, but it could be, and, and we've talked about this before. No matter how good your team is, how great your team is, there's always the one team that is your kryptonite. You know, um, when you look at uh, like the like the 2012 Wildcats, the way Vanderbilt's roster was constructed, those are the first two games were close, and then Vanderbilt won the third one. There's just a team you can't beat. Uh, 2015 uh-huh. Cats, the one out of the 300 teams that played Division One basketball, Wisconsin was the <laughs> one team that was built that could beat Kentucky. And I, I think I said that before, like, I don't want to play Wisconsin. That's just not a great, that is a, not a good matchup. You know, the, the 72 and 10 bowls, I think two of those losses might've been to like to the Hawks or the heat for whatever reason, they were just, they were just competitive. They were just what they, what they did, you know, uh, there's just the one team you couldn't beat. Uh, thinking back to those uh, 85 Bears, the one team that can beat them was the Miami Dolphins. The Bears bring pressure. Nobody got rid of the ball faster than Dan Marino. So, you know, there's yeah. a team that just can exploit the your one area. And I, I don't know enough about hockey to understand if Columbus was just that team. But if you're Tampa Bay, there's a lot of soul searching you have to do. Yeah, and even with Dan Marino and them, when the Bears went fifteen and one, you know, they won the Super Bowl. It still took some kind of—I mean, it wasn't immaculate reception level, but it was some kind of crazy, deflected, weird kind of touchdown that Marino had to get to beat that Bears team. Yeah, yeah. So, 
I, I don't know enough about hockey to, to, to but it just, um, it, 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 it just looks bad. Like you have to do some soul searching. You like, you talked about the Mariners, that Mariners team was rolling and then the wheels just come yeah. off. Uh, you look, look, yeah. I'm not casting any stones because again, talking about 2015, uh, you're rolling. You know, I thought 2015, we had our close game with Notre Dame, right? That was the game I thought. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, when I talked to myself, I was like, hey, we got the close one out. We got the nerves out. We, we, we steeled ourselves. And then, again, not, it wasn't a blowout, but you're just thinking, this is how, this is how it goes. We're, you know, so we've, we've been there. You know, we, you know, right. W. Smith losing the UAB. Sometimes there's just those games where you're just like, man, you, you, you're thinking championship, but this, this, this ain't it. So, uh, yeah. again, I don't follow hockey enough to know. Me neither. Me neither. Hey, before we get to the Warriors and NBA playoffs, too, what in the world is LSU doing? We we thought we had another coaching vacancy, and er, they're just going to bring Will Wade back, knowing he's on tape, <laughs> making offers and, you know, promising payments and who knows what all else. And overall good now, we got, we'll just bring Will Wade back. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, if you're a school, no matter what's swirling around, do you do you go with North Carolina that that method and fight and fight and stonewall and, and walk away, or do you do like 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 Louisville did? And I always tip my I tip my hat to them. It took them a while, but they got rid of the bad actors. So I don't know yeah. what LSU is doing. I, I I don't know, but didn't they have a lot of they got yeah, a lot of crazy. people leave? Didn't they? They had a lot of kids leaving. Yeah, a lot of guys are leaving. The guys are leaving. The athletic director is expecting to step down from yeah, and he was booed. I think the final home game they played Vanderbilt when I think it was Will Wade's first game being suspended. Yeah, because he was out for the SEC tournament the rest of the season. And the athletic director was booed. The fans were, you know, how dare you discipline this coach who's <laughs> corrupt as he may be, led us to this great season. So he's been feeling the wrath for every, you know, ever since this went down, and he's supposedly stepping down, allegedly basically forced out. Uh, Will Wade is back. So, my God, it's just a mess. Yeah, there's just a lot going on, but uh, you know, if, if people thought this FBI thing was going to clean it up, the only remedy, the only remedy for all this is, is figuring out additional payment for the players. I, you know, I don't want to open up that can of worms, but everything else is just going to be window shopping, unless you can come yeah. up with a legitimate stream for the revenue sport. Unless you do that, until you do that. You're going to have these cases. That's just the way it is. Exactly. Um, NBA playoffs, you touched on it. 
Now, as a Lakers fan, I know how you feel about the Clippers. I don't, I don't know if they're your second most hated team behind the Celtics or what, since they share L.A. with you. But, you know, we, we've seen 31-point comebacks in our day, you know, with Kentucky and LSU, speaking of LSU. And now we had a 31-point deficit overcame in the playoffs. And as you mentioned, Shea Gilders Alexander had a, a big role in that, uh, as well as the rest of the Clippers that, at this point, I don't even know if it's supposed to be a rebuilding year. You know, they traded away Blake Griffin and, and trained away Tobias Harris to the Sixers. Uh, you get Landry Shamit from Wichita State. This collection of dudes, you know, former Rocket Patrick Beverly still out there getting on guys' nerves to be beat down like that in game two. And it's a battle back and steal one and go back to L.A. with the home court advantage. Uh, you know, we, the Warriors, we talked about them before. You mentioned it, the wear and tear, all these deep runs, the getting bored, the getting complacent. Is it that? I'm not saying it's full-out panic mode up there because uh, they're still talented. They're still the champs. Uh, definitely hate to see them lose Boogie. They'll probably still win the series. But that to see them give that up at home was was unbelievable. I hate I wasn't able to stay up for it. I, my ideas got the best of me. But to wake up and see that score the next morning, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think what this does is it – and the Warriors know they can, they can turn it on uh, – you know, they assume yeah. they can, but this is one of those things, you know, maybe this series goes a little bit longer. And and keep in mind, you know, I don't need to remind you as a Houston fan, but Houston had them beat. Houston should have beaten them last year. So what we see is that, you know, there's that championship you kind of gut out, you know, that you win or that deep run that you make. And then it just it gets tougher and tougher. So I think if you end up with a first-round series that's a lot tougher, you know, I haven't paid attention to the bracket, so I don't know who they would get next. Uh, you know, without Boogie, and, and definitely want to wish him a, a speedy and, and quick recovery, it just becomes harder, which sounds ridiculous when you figure they've got two top five players on their team. But, but still – if the if the Clippers are able to make this a series, that bodes well for whoever Golden State gets next. Again, what the Bulls did, you know, during their you know their six and eight years, they made sure to make short work of whoever they had in the first round. Yeah. So the first round series, you take care of business, get a break, uh, so you can save yourself up for the tougher teams and. And so if you're dropping a game two at home, you know, for, uh, you know, after being up 31 points, well, then you got to go to L.A. And if you fool around and let the Clippers get up 2-1, I don't think anybody thinks the Clippers will win the series, but now it's at least going to go six games. Yeah. You know, so that's just extra wear and tear that I just don't think is, uh, is necessary. Uh, you, don't, you definitely don't want to do that. That's it. Uh, Ryan Hollins was on. I listened to you know different shows. I bounce around, listen to this, listen to that. 
Ryan Holland played with the Mavericks, and I forget who all else. But he was on with Jim Rome, and I'm, I'm going to go back and listen to it because he was talking about how Kevin Durant wasn't being protected by his teammates. And he he made a note of, of DeMarcus Cousins with touch on him, unfortunately going down to injury. Um, don't have that enforcer back there. Uh, he mentioned how he, you know, was able to kind of mix it up with LeBron from time to time and, and get him with some good cheap shots. And the whole time down the court, uh, you know, the rest of the role players playing with LeBron, kind of like in hockey, made sure that didn't happen again. I made sure he paid for getting that cheap shot in on LeBron because he was on the receiving end of some cheap shots and some elbows and some this and some that the rest of the night. Holland said, you know, with this little dust up with Patrick Beverly and all that stuff that's going on with KD, he's not getting that protection. You know, there's no David West there. Boogie's out now. The celebrities and star players aren't really getting backed by some enforcers tough guy types for the Warriors right now and it's kind of making his presence felt. We saw what happened with, you know, we've seen Beverly. He's doing what, he, he doing what he's always going to do. You know, he ain't backing down from anybody. I've had to claw my way to even be in this position. I played in Timbuktu overseas and, and, and worked my way to this league and I don't care that you kept the red MVP. I don't care who you are. That, well, Beverly's doing what he's going to do. Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, KD, he don't give a crap. But there's nobody there to kind of step up and, and kind of back, have KD's back, according to Ryan Holland. I thought it was just real interesting from a guy who played and from a guy who mixed it up with a star player and, and knows how that whole dynamic works. So that was It was really some cool stuff. Like you mentioned, you know, to have this series drag on is the last thing they want. You know, if, if Houston takes care of business, that's who plays in the second round. If, if Houston don't fool around and start getting upset like everybody else in the league has been, they'll be getting Golden State in the second round. And, you know, to see this kind of drag out and, and go longer than it should, um, it, it's not what you want. You mentioned – you make it quick work and stuff. You know, Golden State had that chance. Now they at least got to have, you know, five games. And like you said, you fool around and drop one in L.A., it's going to be six. And Doc is coaching the heck out of this team. You know, this, the results are way greater than the parts. You look at that team, and to expect them to do what they've done, um, you know, Doc doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, anyway. Sometimes he didn't get enough credit with what he did in Boston. Thibodeau got so much credit for the defense and the this and the that. But after they traded Tobias Harris, they're supposed to probably not even make the playoffs. And he's got, you know, Montrez Harrell doing what he does. We still hear from Louisville just playing with energy and hustling and outworking people. And he's just got everybody buying in and they're giving maximum effort. And, and that's what you want, and that's all you can ask for. Exactly. Uh, you know, the, the Clippers are playing with house money, and, 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 you know, when you're the favorite, and we've seen that time and time again from, from Kentucky, is it, it, you, you've got to squash out 
the underdog, you've got to make them think that they can't win this game. It's like, uh, you know, the Auburn game in the Elite Eight. As everybody in Kentucky was thinking, we were up at half, two or three points, whatever it was, you're thinking, that's not enough. Like, Auburn still thinks they can win this game. You know, and th- and that's, that's what you have to do. You can't let this drag out. Uh, I think Kevin Durant is the weirdest superstar NBA player that I, I can remember. It's not – look. Even when we're talking about Paul Pierce, there are people that will ride or die for Paul Pierce. There are people that, you know, in Boston or whatever, in Kansas, that will support Paul Pierce. KD, Kevin Durant, doesn't seem to have any diehard fans. It's like he's a great player. He's going to go down top 20 when all said and done, I believe. But even from his own teammates, it's like, is he the most meh superstar ever? I mean, his skills are undeniable. He's elite. But even when he was in Oklahoma City, you always felt it was Russ that was kind of driving the bus there. I mean, that probably was the problem and all that. But, you know, I, I think Kevin Durant is that guy you work with that's really, really good at your, his, his job, but just you're not going to go have a, you know, you're not going to go to happy hour after work with him either. And I'm not saying everybody has to be friends and all that kind of stuff, but in, in, in NBA Twitter, some, a lot of folks I follow have talked about it, that, you know, Golden State fans haven't really embraced him. You know, Oklahoma City fans, you know, hate him. And it's like the Warriors just kind of feel like, oh, yeah, we got a Kevin Durant. Like it's just, it's not – I hate the word organic and all that kind of stuff, but if you watch the interaction, it's not the same. It's just, it's different. And I don't know if that's because of his personality or or what it is, but if you watch a Warriors game, when he hits a three, it's different than when Steph hits a three. It's just, it just feels different, especially at home. Yeah. Very, very true. And, And people are assuming that he's gone and, you know, he was snapping at the media at the beginning of the year about, you know, whatever his decision was going to be. Uh, that is that is interesting. Um, and also unfortunate, too, keeping it on the Warriors, to see Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins, get hurt after, you know, working his way back from the Achilles injury when he was with New Orleans, just stepping out of bounds to kind of save a loose ball in it to see it pop and didn't go down. I think they were playing Houston that night. And then to see him work his way back, trying to get back in the mix, he's had some uh, some good performances. The game that they played on uh, Rockets in the regular season, Houston had no answer for him. And I, I don't know if Steph or KD was out, but Cubs had 28 and 12 or 14, and, and Capella and Nene I don't know if Fareed was there, but whoever, nobody could do anything with DeMarcus. And you can see him just part of the journey to get himself back uh, on a good team. We've talked about all these former cats in the NBA for all these years, and now the next thing is to have some guys on some good teams and, and contributing to some playoff runs. 
and DeMarcus is in position to do that. And then to see him go down with the torn quad, didn't require surgery, but still out indefinitely. Um, didn't look good seeing him try to get up and seeing him gingerly walk off. Just just felt awful for him to be right back where he was, you know, injured again and, and trying to have to battle back. And here it seems he is in the playoffs and, in position to defend the title. Yeah, he just seemed snake bit. He was trying to shake that that um, label of being a big numbers guy, but not being a winning guy, which I don't think is fair, especially when you look at the dumpster fire that Sacramento was beforehand. Uh, but it's like when he just when he gets into his groove, that injury bug. So I hope he comes back. I hope he's able to. Uh, to return, he may not get that big money contract, and, and that's kind of part of it, which is why I tell, you know, as we said earlier, let these guys make their money while they can. So, um, yeah, it's just you, you hate to see that. You, you hate and – the, and the thing is, it, the plays he were making when he got injured in New Orleans, he got injured, you know, here at Golden State, are hustle plays where he's working and diving for a loose ball, going for a ball out of bounds. But that's who Boogie is. I know we're Kentucky guys, and we're a little biased, I think, uh, versus some of the folks that, that say things about DeMarcus. Um, that's the kind of person he is. So, um, yeah, that you, you hate to see anybody get injured, uh, but specifically DeMarcus, who we know worked so hard to get back after the ACL sprain. So. Yeah, yeah. And – Flipping it to the other series, the two seed, Denver Nuggets were one of those teams who dropped their opening game at home, you know, just like uh, the Raptors did, flew around and, and got beat by Orlando. You see a lot of new teams in the playoffs, Orlando, the Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn went to Philadelphia one game, one. San Antonio comes into Denver, who hadn't been to the playoffs in a while. San Antonio wins game one. Which didn't surprise anybody. You know, Popovich, it doesn't matter what he's got. You know he can make it work. Uh, and they went in the stone game one and probably should have won game two or thought they had game two if not for Jamal Murray, who struggled for three quarters, and then he put the nuggets on his back to keep them from going to San Antonio in an 0-2 hole. So we – Glad to see former Cats finally get on teams that are winning, get on teams that are in the playoffs. And just as bad as we feel for Boogie, who was in that position, Murray is now in that position, and we feel just as good and happy for him to see him uh, basically save Denver's high right now because they're going to San Antonio down 0-2. Uh, it, is, it is really looking bleak already. So now it's one-to-one. He was on fire in that fourth quarter uh, and were able to get his first playoff win in his you know first first playoff series as an NBA guy. So congratulations to Murray. He got in one of those zones that I hadn't seen since he was in Lexington where, you know, I think if you're looking at two guys that Cal has had that you're like, man, once they get going, there's nothing you can do. I think 1A, Jamal Murray, 1-2, uh, Malik Monk, you know, they can score in bunches. Yeah. And if they, if they see two shots go in, like that, like that. So yeah. uh, definitely 
I'm, I'm glad for, for, for that. And I want to see those guys have some success so people can stop saying, you know, Kyle gets guys in the NBA, but what are they doing? It's like, look at the franchises right. they go to. But at least uh-huh. Denver, uh, you know, is building around and is, is you can see you can see Jamal Murray making that leap. Uh, I'm confused on Sacramento firing their coach. Like oh, they geez. just got good again. They just got to the point where they're competitive. They've got a young star in De'Aaron Fox. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh yeah, you're just being the just being Sacramento, just being the Kings. This is what you do. Man. Got a guest, uh, not next week, but probably the week after. I was texting with him earlier today. That we can definitely dive into that. Where it's going to be a, a lot of fun, and he's definitely right up in the midst of all of that situation. And <laughs> you, you mentioned the Kings. I mean, and you know, poor Dave Yeager. How in the world is this happening to him again? The same thing happened to him at Memphis, and basically that's what Memphis does. They've been firing coaches prematurely for years. You know, Lionel Hollins, uh, Dave Yeager, and you know, they said they were going to keep J.B. Bickerstaff, and then they have a press conference, and then they fire him, and then they send the GM down and demote him to some kind of quality, some other position. So that's just the Grizzlies doing what they do. But – uh if Jaeger can land on his feet, he'll be another good coach for somebody. Uh, Luke Walton, boy, that's, you talk about landing on your feet. He hadn't even fallen down and was already signing the papers to move on to the Kings. Well, I mean, with the writing on the wall like that in L.A., I, I think that his, his people were probably already, you know, they were already doing some things, you know, would be my, <laughs> would be my guess. Y'all gonna get Ty Lue now? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, this is karma for all my years of laughing at the Knicks. This is what I get. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought the problem is you need somebody that LeBron is gonna listen to. Is that Tyron Lue? I don't know. I don't think so. You know, when you when you Outside of the just you know the stars aligning in Cleveland for that championship, LeBron does better when there's at least somebody in the there's got to be somebody in the building that he will listen to. I thought it was going to be Magic, but it turns out Magic was never in the building. <laughs> so I I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to put all my eggs in the basket for this. I, I don't know. You know, and other Laker fans will be like me, like. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. That'll be the first thing, is it? Does Palenka just moves into the president's role? or, or Y'all got a lot of questions, and, and we'll see how it is. All pretty soon, and Kim, definitely can't wait to see and get your thoughts on the higher end of direction and Whatever you think Jeannie is doing or should be doing or isn't doing, that's all coming up on a summer show in the probably not too distant future. So uh, <laughs> the draft is coming very soon, so we'll have to see what your your team decides to do. Uh, speaking of drafts, NFL draft is next week, 
And this past Friday, we had the spring game. Crazy, because this year's flying by to be, and, and, and April is already halfway gone. But we had another spring game at Kroger Field. A.J. Rose, deja vu all over again. You know, had a lot of great runs. Cavassier smoked, or as that one dude said, Cavossi, uh looked good. And, look, it's, you know, is it the offense great? Is the defense struggling? You have to always be even killed when you watch a spring game. But Terry Wilson and Gunnar Hoke, if he continues to be a wildcat after the semester, both look good passing the ball. The secondary is brand new, so logically they would not look as good as they typically have the past four or five years when you had all those experienced DBs back there. So uh, they're going to take some work, but there's still a lot of talent there. And there's still going to be some weapons for Terry Wilson. Uh, you won't have Benny, but you got a pretty good stable of running backs. Justin Rigg, who's going to be the new tight end, taking C.J. Conrad's place, had a nice one-handed grab and a touchdown. So there's still pieces there. Um, still getting coached up. Got a new defensive coordinator. Still got Schlarmer there coaching the O-line. Still reason to be optimistic going into the season. You know, I'm not saying they're gonna win ten again, but I'm not saying I'm not saying they're gonna fall off the face of the earth either. Even though they lost a ton to the NFL draft, who will hear their names called next week, next Thursday, through Saturday. Yeah, I, you, you you feel positive. You think there's gonna be some guys, and and I think the biggest thing is with with Benny gone, with Josh Allen gone. Those are two big set the shoes to fill on either side of the ball. So you've got to – I don't think one person can do what Benny did, but I think A.J. Rose, Kavasi Smoke can be another thunder and lightning or, whatever, you know, Batman and Robin, however you want to do that. There's going to be enough guys on the defensive side of the ball to – you're not going to get another 17 sacks out of one guy. You're not going to get one guy that's going to get double teamed. So it, it's got to be by committee. And, and – in years past, you know, we talk about Andre Woodson uh, going to the Hall of Fame. You know, when we had great, great players leave, th- there was nobody there to step up. But we've got those guys now. You know, we, we've got guys that uh, have played at high level before uh, and, and, and young guys that are coming in talented. So the drop-off's not going to be that much. You, you can't go into next season thinking 10 wins or better. I, I don't think we're to that point. Uh, but you, you yeah. have to think you know, eight or nine wins, you've got to be at that level. You know, I think less than that, I think it's a little uh, little tough. But uh, I, I feel good. You know, the, the spring games are generally like, you know, big blue madness. They're kind of trash, you know, for the most part. But um, – yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's just can't be they can't be taken as gospel. You know, it's they are what they are. You get a look at at what you're gonna see in the upcoming season. But you can't get too high, too low over who does well or who does poorly. It's just you know, it's not a true barometer, but it is uh, a display. Of, of what they're going to be working with when the game starts to count and the season actually gets here. 
Yeah, so that that's enough to wet our whistle as as football. They kind of yeah. take a break and, and and everything. So it was a good experience. I'm a little disappointed in the crowd, but I think it's got more to do with being Friday evening at six o'clock. Yeah, that yeah. that's a that's yeah. a tough get to unless you're in Lexington, and even in Lexington, that's just tough. I, I would love to see it move back on Saturday, but you know I, I talked to a lot of people here, and it's like Friday at six. Uh, you know, that's asking people to leave work and early, and, and yeah, that's a that's a, that's a tough sell. Uh, so I don't yeah. hold the fans responsible. That's just a tough time. I didn't go this year. Uh, I did go last year. I didn't cover it. Just went as a fan, and you know, I go into work early, so I get off early anyway. I'm I'm off and able to you know, pick the boys up from school and. Went through the school line and we drove straight, you know, to Lexington. Stopped, got something to eat, ate on the way. Picked my dad up in Barberville, which was almost halfway. But you know, driving straight up there to be there, in theory, at six o'clock when it was kicking off. But we were stuck on Nicholsville Road forever, getting in there because, like you said, it's to it's to get off. Work rush hour traffic. If the people that's trying to get to the game traffic, it's the it's Friday people. Let's find something to do traffic, and it was all that just bogging each other down. So yeah, we I think it was we missed the first half just because we were two miles away, <laughs> creeping our way into Kroger Field. So uh, yeah, that that. It was unique having it Friday evening, but that's the whole downside. I don't it, the downside of it with like you say the traffic and getting there kind of outweighs the we had it on Friday to be different kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Got to give congrats again. You know, that's for the, I think the third week in a row we we congratulated Coach Josh Hurt a couple of weeks ago. You know, the KY Sports guys who had our show on the same time as us because he was the fourth region coach of the year, getting recognized at Rupp Arena. Last week we were giving props to his co-host, Brian Stockton, the Stock Tony, because he won our Balto Bracket Challenge. And now we see that Coach Hurt, who was a middle school assistant principal at Metcalf County, um, and then he coached the girls at Metcalf County High School, basketball, he coached the girls. He is now the district there in Edmonton, Metcalf County, the new director of instruction. So he's gonna be stepping down as the head coach. So congratulations to him on his new position. And if you're gonna pick a year to step down as coach, you might as well go out as the fourth region coach of the year after having a great year for your team. So uh congratulations on the new job. No, he's probably going to miss coaching, but excited to move on uh, to a new phase of his career. So congratulations to Coach Hurt for another Absolutely. week. You know, KY Sports guys, KY Sports guys rolling and dominating the show at, at, at different points in time. So congratulations to him, though, for sure. Absolutely. We have had a ball – I'm going to watch my Rockets uh, in about an hour and a half or so, see if they can go up 2-0. Uh, 
I'm expecting Donovan Mitchell to have a big game. Got to be ready to withstand that. Joe Ingles gets on my nerves. Always does. You know, he flops, and that's come from me, a Rockets and Harden fan. He's very good, but he gets on my nerves, and I, I hate when they play the Jazz and, and Joe Ingles because he's always, you know, poking and trying to – he ain't Pat Beverly, but he's still nerve-wracking and irritating. But hopefully Houston can go up 2-0, not let these series drag out and, and have extra games against the Jazz. Uh, we'll find out here in a little bit. But we had a fun show, and we worked in a ton. Check Terry stuff out, CameronMillsRadio.com. Cool article about Tiger Woods. Touched on it here on the show. Listen to the podcast, wherever podcasts are. And uh, we have fun bringing the show to you. Appreciate y'all taking the time to listen. And uh, if you listen later, hope you enjoyed as well. Or catch the replays on 12 Hour Sports. Hope you enjoyed those also. Hope your allergies get better. Uh, Hope the the pollen count lessens for you and you can breathe a little easier and, and not have to deal with all the stuff that comes along with that. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, and we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Terry Brown, Vinny Hardy, Radio Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. We'll see you all next Wednesday evening to do it again. Take care, y'all.